Welcome to Tool World. We're your hosts. I'm Gordon Ju. And I'm David Ju. And we're here to discuss everything about ITF patterns. If you're interested in learning more, make sure to like the podcast. I'm good to go. Okay. <laughs> Hello. Welcome back to Tool World. This is David Ju. And this is Gordon Ju. And thank you for tuning back in. This week, we're going to talk about the past tournament that we just had. We recently hosted a West Coast Open right here in Pleasanton, California. It was really fun. Uh, we had roughly about 100 competitors, and we were able to do it outside of our regular dojong. So we rented out the local middle school nearby, and we had a couple of rings going. So I think a lot of students had a lot of fun. They were able to do patterns and sparring. What do you think, Master Ju? Yeah, that's been a while since we've done that. I think uh, the last time we did a, a tournament like that, or we called it the West Coast Open, we've done, of course, hosted um, the qualifier for World Championship, but to do the, our West Coast Open, I think it was back down back in 2015. By the way, congratulations on your gold medal win in both sparring and patterns. You look very good. Oh, thank you, sir. <laughs> what did you see from the students kind of as a whole? Well, I only saw some of it since I was kind of busy trying to run, the, uh, run the, the event. We did run really smoothly. Mrs. Ju did an awesome job organizing it. So we uh, actually got it done in time, a little bit ahead of time. So we had four rings. So I, I can't say exactly some of the things I saw. I just um, saw a little bit. What I saw was pretty good. And uh, thanks again to all of the guys that came out from out of state. Master Howard from Houston, Texas. Mr. Herman from Fairbanks, Alaska. Mr. Dingra. Well, he's up in uh, San Francisco. Um, Mr. Morshita from Salt Lake City, Utah. Dr. Kramer from Denver, Colorado, and then well, we also had Mr. Kerr from, um, actually it's not Mr. Kerr, but Mr. Reinhardt from Arizona, so thank you for those that came out for that. But you know what? I forgot <laughs> <laughs> our special guest, and that was Grandmaster Robert <laughs> Wheatley. <laughs> How did I forget Grandmaster Robert Wheatley? And he uh, gave us a lot of input. We had uh, training on the the following day on Sunday. He stopped by and he uh, shared some ideas. And I definitely, maybe we could definitely chit-chat a little bit about what he had talked about and what he saw. Right. You know, I think what we're doing as an organization, we're pretty much on the same page, I think, as far as patterns are concerned. And this is what this podcast is about. It's really about the the patterns and not really about sparring. Are they interrelated? In some ways, I think they are. So going back to patterns, I think that competition is a good way to um, see how you're doing against other people and how you compare with other people. So competition is really good. You know that saying, we never rise to vacation. (laughs) 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 We always fall back to our training. And with that being said, and and I'm not going to say who... But it can happen. If you're not practicing the patterns all the time, we have a tendency to forget. And so if you're in competition, that is the occasion. That is the moment. 
and we have to perform our best. How can we do that? Well, practice, practice, practice. And what we think might, we think who's going to be ultimately the winner can forget. And even though they might have good technique, actually superior technique, and still could lose. Right. It kind of comes down to your foundation. I think that, like in class, we do each week by the composition of Taekwondo. So this week's been fundamentals, right? So even though I've been doing Taekwondo for uh, 17 years, we still do a lot of basic drills in class, like step forward, obvious forward, first punch, step back, low side block, because it's that fundamental exercise that applies to Taekwondo. Yeah, so, you know, fundamental drills. Well, that's what the Taekwondo patterns are, right? They're actually fundamentals and uh, how you execute the technique. And so, really, certain patterns, you only see it like maybe once or twice in the pattern. And you might not even see it again for a long time in in any pattern. So, how do we perfect those techniques? Like, for instance, circular block. And we talked about that last week. That only shows up twice in one yo. If you're a green belt and um, you want to perfect that technique, if you you'd have to do the whole pattern lots of time in order to perfect just the circular block. Right. And I'm not saying you shouldn't practice the pattern a lot anyway, but you might want to practice it even more and do them repetitive, repetitively, so that it gets to be a little bit better. So. Drills are an excellent way of perfecting those techniques. Right, right. So did you see any differences between our own students? When you talk about color bells, I think a lot of it comes down to their effort, of course, and color bells are still working on that fundamentals. You do definitely see a transition. We have some new black belts that were very, very good as a color belt, and as they move into that the black belt division, they're fairly new to, um, to that division. That It's like starting over in some ways. They were great as a color belt, but competing against like other experienced black belts, there's a difference or a challenge there. Right. No, I definitely agree. I always think about that uh, when we think about like world championships. If you, I mean, I really hate to say it, but if you don't ever win as a junior, moving into that adult division is going to be extremely difficult. Yeah, I think it's just different um, because as a junior, you maybe have only competed, let's say, at the age of 12 to 17 for five years. You're at that age group, and that's your division, right? And if you move into adult, into adult division, where it's 18 and above, you could be competing a guy that's been doing taekwondo and they're as and they might be 30 years old 35 years old they might be have, have been doing taekwondo for even longer than longer than 17 years right they actually could be comp- have been competing against adults for maybe let's say 10 or 20 years versus someone that's only competed as a junior for maybe five years so there's there's definitely a difference uh, coordination there's still a lot going on um, for someone that just moves into that new division. Not to say that they can't do really well. I think it's just more of a challenge. Got to work harder. They've, there's just some things. There's a learning curve is what I'm kind of saying. Right. So you're saying you talk about our black belts and how 
they just recently got promoted. Did you see anything different between our old black belts versus the new black belts? Because we did have some pretty big divisions, like the second dan girls, the first dan girls, and maybe the first dan boys were probably maybe 12 to 15 people, which is a decent-sized bracket. So did you see any difference between those two students, the two well, types of students? Yeah, yeah. Um, the thing that stands out for me, and I didn't get to see all of the competition, but I think the main difference is how some are able to execute technique with a lot of speed and snap versus a newer student or maybe a student that haven't that hasn't trained as much. And there's just a different something just missing is what I'm kind of saying. Not to say that um, a new black belt couldn't win. I think, and I, I don't know the, <laughs> I don't know the exact results, but I'm guessing that even some of the new black belts um, probably did really well and probably placed. So you know, it just depends on who their competitors are. However, I saw a a division with fourth dance. And that was um, with Mr. Leong and Mr. Federico Vendini. And uh, just watching the two. Now, Federico won the gold medal in patterns at, in Argentina for at the World Championship. And as a matter of fact, he won at the prior World Championship as well. So he's won it back-to-back. And watching him compete against uh, Mr. Leong. And Mr. Leong is actually pretty good. You know, when I um, watch him like in training sessions, watching his patterns. And you can see it as, it's pretty good. I mean, it's definitely pretty good. But when you compare him against um, Mr. Federico and you look at technique, there's definitely something different. And I think what it is, not to say Mr. Leong doesn't have the speed and, and that kind of thing, but watching the two of them, uh, Mr. Leong's technique isn't quite as fast and isn't quite as snappy. I, as, does that kind of make sense? Yes, sir. Just a little bit. And I'm not saying that that's the reason why someone wins or not win. But competition, if you see something like that, then you realize, oh, this is what I need to work on a little bit more in order to compete. Um, to be a better competitor or to help me improve to hopefully win the next the next round. I mean, there's, like I said, there's certain things we can control, and there's definitely some things we can't control. Um, the things we can control is um, practice, right? We can practice the, the patterns. We can do that all the time. We can practice the technique. We can, um, we have control. We can control our physical capabilities, right? our endurance and stuff like that. But we can't control our judges. We can't control the bracket sheet. Theoretically, you could have the two best people go in the first round and one of them gets eliminated. That doesn't mean that that bracket may not be actually the two best guys in that bracket. It just happens to be the, the bracket sheet. So we can't control everything. So when, as a competitor, we have to be able to control the things that we can and try to make that the best we can. So how do you think if you were like a new black belt or you didn't have that kind of snap yet, how am I going to be able to generate that kind of snap? Am I just going to practice more or 
how can we take it to the next level for a lot of the students? And, uh, <laughs> or do they just do they just magically it just as it goes on does it happen? Well, I think um, I think there's a couple things that we can do for sure practicing and practicing and practicing but if you're not improving or trying to make that change then it's not going to happen right right so for a lot of color belts it's going to be practice 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 but it's mostly practice to make sure that you don't forget the pattern that's probably my guess yeah and it's difficult because they're trying to learn that and and even black belts if you're new if you're a new black belt uh, whatever rank it is, you know, you've got to practice a lot to, so that you don't forget the movements itself. I think when it comes down to how to improve the techniques, you you have to do a little s- self-evaluation as well as um, listening to someone that critique what you're doing. Kind of like what I just said about Mr. Leong's and um, Mr. Vendini's, uh, their match. How How is it different and why one might be a little bit better than another. And then understanding that and doing some self-evaluation and see if you can uh, improve on it. No, I definitely agree with that. So Master Lili was there. Uh, he was able to spectate all of the rings. You said he had a few words. Um, yeah, he um, kind of taught, I guess he saw some of the students that are were raising their hand and the, like to give you an example, what I think what he was seeing was that as you step forward into a walking stance and you do an obverse four fist punch, that the hand kind of goes forward and back and forward, like a train. You know how those that arm looks like when it's on the wheels and it's moving forward right. and it goes back and it goes forward. I'm not saying I teach it that way, but I do teach this idea about as we move forward to bring the hands up. Because I think that when it comes to self-defense, that I don't punch from my hands down. If I'm in a self-defense situation, my hands should be up. And so, in general, I'm going to fire my hands out from that position, where my hands are closer to my face. I don't shoot my hands from my hip. So, I'm always thinking about getting that hand up. So, how does that relate in the patterns? Well... Um, yeah, I think some of our students kind of like push the arm forward as it comes up towards their face and then they pull it back and then they execute the punch. So I think that's what he was talking about is that there's no forward, back, forward movement. And I totally agree with that. I think that maybe some of the students misinterpret what I'm saying. And really what it is is as we start to move, our elbows and our knees should be slightly bent or our body should be relaxed. And what is that relaxed position, whether the arm is low or whether it's high? That's kind of what I'm saying. When I go into that movement, the pre-movement, if you want to call it that, we have to be relaxed and then fire the technique from there. So I would agree with Master Wheatley that we don't go forward, back, forward. But what we what I would say is relax and then fire the the technique out. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. I see both uh, viewpoints. It does make sense. We would be fighting with our hands up near our face, right? Kind of in a guarding block. But in patterns, it's kind of a little different, I would say, right? Where, you know, in the encyclopedia, you don't really... S- 
you know, you just see a slight bend of the arms forward and backwards, right? Yeah, and well, pattern is really quite different just because in some ways, when we do the technique, we almost freeze it for a, a moment. It's right. like you take a photograph. But what happens right after you do that? So in real life, that technique should look like what you see in a pattern. But right after you hit that person, it's got to go somewhere else. It, we don't just hold it there, right? Right. And so in patterns, it's a little bit different because we're going to show that particular technique. Now it's that relaxation. And where does that hand and where does that all go, right? Does it stay on? Does a non-striking hand or blocking hand maintain its hand position on the hip? See, that doesn't make sense to me either. I, why would I do that? Why would I shoot my hands from there for the next technique? Just doesn't make sense. So as far as um, I think maybe different instructors will interpret a little bit differently. In the encyclopedia, as General Chase says, um, the, one of the training secrets of Taekwondo is that the elbows and the knees should be slightly bent in between movements. Right. So what did you think about um, your your matches? Did you feel confident about where you were as far as, I know you just learned a couple new patterns? Yeah, I've kind of known them for a while because I would train with Catherine and her fourth degree patterns. But I was definitely not confident. I definitely made a few wrong moves, but I was able to complete the pattern. Right. So, you know, there's still a lot of painting, but... Overall, I think fourth gen patterns are definitely way more interesting than third degree patterns. And third degree patterns are just so boring. <laughs> there we go. Boring, boring. They're so boring, right? <laughs> well, yeah, that that's um I would kind of agree with that. There's definitely some things in in the third gen patterns that are they're not too exciting. Definitely different ideas. There's definitely some new concepts in it. But nothing stands out that makes, uh, well, how should I say it? Um, there are certain patterns that are so much more difficult and so much more intricate that it can make the difference between a competitor. Right. Like in Kodong. The, be the ability to, be to hold out your that side piercing kick and turn and convert it into an offensive hook kick is pretty difficult and done at slow motion that is if you can really master that i would say win <laughs> just right. because it's so difficult right and so that's that makes it much more exciting it's definitely uh, to me that's like a game changer in that particular pattern if i was looking at second damn pattern if someone can do a awesome kodong mm -hmm. i don't see how iam and jung jung can really compete right no matter how good how good you are with those particular pattern because kodong has some techniques in there that is really so much more difficult and so much more interesting that from a face value it's it's got to score higher points right now i agree i mean i think eom might be almost one of my favorite patterns probably is my favorite pattern but you know i just love the reverse turning kicks you know, they're difficult, but once you can get it, it's so cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I think the most lackluster one is going to be Jung Jong, but you would choose Jung Jong over Eom because Eom is just so much shorter, right? It's uh, almost repetitive. 
one side is just a reflection of the other in some for, ways. For Zheng Zhang. Or no, yeah. Yam. Oh, yeah. No, that's yeah. true. Yeah. And that's kind of like Poan. I mean, Poan, if I was to tell someone to, in competition, that is probably not the pattern I'd use <laughs> in Poan just because it is kind of, rep- it's kind of like Chanji, you know, it's kind of really, it's almost mirror image. I mean, most of the patterns are somewhat the mirror image, but it's so mirror image. And Poan is a hard pattern, actually, mm-hmm. to do it correctly. You know, that tempo, though, there's uh, some people think it's just that, oh, that's, that's an easy pattern, but I don't find that to be an easy pattern. Right, right. I would think it's Poan or like Eom uh, is a good designated pattern. So you get a little flavor of both. You know, right. hopefully the the competitors will choose to do Gaybeck and Kodong. Right. But you want to get a nice variety. So what do you think, David? Should we um, catch up next time? Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna lose these guys if we keep going on. And, <laughs> I, and I know we can. We can go on and, and on, on and on and on. Well, I don't know about you, but I'll probably go on and on. <laughs> well, and I would on. feel like I was getting interested <laughs> in this, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Let's uh, catch up on and um, maybe continue a little bit more on our next episode. All right. Sounds good. Well, if you'd like to find more of our podcasts, you can find it on Facebook. Uh, to a world or right here on any of the other platforms that you might listen to a podcast make sure to like us on those podcasts thank you for tuning back in we'll see you guys next week thanks for listening to our podcast we hope that you enjoyed it we hope to see you next time